Hi, Court. And hi, Bee Critics fam. Welcome to another episode of the Bee Critics podcast. This episode is part of our Coming to Theaters or Now in Theaters series, where we discuss new movies spoiler-free. And in this episode, we're giving you all the details on Oppenheimer and what you need to know before heading to theaters. Yes. Yeah, because I am heading to theaters literally tonight, <laughs> 7 p.m. Yeah. this evening, I'm going. Um, so I haven't seen yep. it yet. Liz has seen mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I saw it. Um, I got to see it like adva- advanced screening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had time to collect my thoughts and figure so out exactly jealous. what it is that y'all need to know. I'm like, I literally cannot wait for you to see it, Courtney. Like, I know. I, I had a blast. I'm <laughs> nervous about even this recording because I don't want you to like tell me anything. Like I want to go in and like experience it for myself. But it's such a long movie that I don't really mm-hmm. think that you can. <laughs> and I promise like I am not going to say anything that is going to like give anything away from the movie. Like yeah. I have been like very particular about what I'm not going to say. So. Okay. Okay. All good. <laughs> you. All right, so I'll just tell you like real quick like what the movie is about. If you don't already know, um, I'm not going to say a lot because the whole like the exciting part of this movie is the storytelling. So I'm not going to tell you anything about that. Literally just going to tell you like main premise. Mm -hmm. So in this riveting adaptation of American Prometheus, J. Robert Oppenheimer recalls every excruciating detail of his past as it pertains to his involvement in the development of the atom bomb. Yeah, so who is J. Robert Oppenheimer for those who don't (laughs) know? um, To be perfectly honest, like when I first heard about this movie and I heard his name and I heard like Atomic Bomb, I was like, okay, like I can kind of infer who this man is, but I don't remember Mm -hmm. him from history class to be perfectly honest. Like, oh, I don't know. So um, (laughs) he's an American theoretical physicist. And he was the director of the Los Alamos Laboratory during World War II. So they call him the father of the atomic bomb because he was the one who organized the Manhattan Project. He was like the director mm-hmm. of it. Um, yep. He's Jewish. That's another fun yeah, fact. Yeah, he was a Jewish immigrant from Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, he has degrees from Harvard where he got his undergrad degree. And then he actually has his PhD from the University of Gottingen, I don't know if I'm saying that right, in Germany. <laughs> Sounds right to me. <laughs> and then he was um, a professor at Berkeley. Yep. And um, he was present for the Trinity test, which is the test of the first atomic bomb. And then one thing that I read that I actually think is crazy is one month later, um, that was when the United States used the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody knows about that. Um, But it's pretty – I mean, that's kind of crazy, like that turnaround. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize that. Everything about like creating the atomic bomb, testing it, and then actually using it was like on hyperdrive because America wanted to make sure that they were the first Mm -hmm. to have it and to use it. And so – Well, and it was in the middle of World War II, and I think we knew that Germany had already started their atomic bomb program, so we were kind Mm -hmm. of like behind them. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah. this movie is three hours long. Yes. That is but long. It's literally going to fly by. Okay. I, well, okay. okay. So 
I'm like very into like World War II era stuff. So yeah. like all of this is like very intriguing to me. Um, so I was just like taking it all in and I was like like enthralled and obsessed during the whole thing. Didn't um, count the time of the credits in this one? No, no, I didn't. Wow, so <laughs> engrossed in the movie. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to have my phone, so I couldn't do it anyways, but. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so it comes out today. I'm going to do everything in my power to, today. to get this episode out today too. So hopefully this is timely. Um, <laughs> and it was produced by um, Syncopy and Universal Pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is the first Christopher Nolan not to be done by Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah. It's a big deal that he mm-hmm. left Warner Brothers. Um, we're probably not going to like get too much into that. But it is by Christopher Nolan. Um, and – he has like a pretty good uh, resume of movies, if I have to say. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, everybody knows him for like Interstellar and Inception and mm-hmm. Batman. Um, but he he always, he has like a – I feel like this is different than most movies that he does in a way. But I guess – I don't know. I'm curious to see it because I've only seen most mm-hmm. of his like sci-fi and um, like ac- like the sci-fi movies. Those are the ones that I like. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like what he does. Is mm-hmm. sci- he does sci-fi really well. Um, this is not a sci-fi movie. It's a historical fiction. Um, some people are calling it a biopic. But yeah, it's – I mean it has a lot of those elements in it and I think that's what makes it – so effective is yeah. because like he's portraying a real person and these are real like historical events but it's portrayed in a way that makes it feel like he's a character well like if you think about it character. too like at the time the thought of like an atomic bomb was kind of science fiction right like a little bit yeah yeah like it, I mean it was because they had nobody had ever done it before so I feel like probably portraying the movie in that light Mm-hmm. made it very exciting yeah but um christopher nolan for the last few years has come out with a movie like every three years so we can probably expect another movie in 2026 um yeah. and for a while there he was making them every two years so <laughs> he started with batman They're getting Be- more advanced yeah yeah so like i think since 2006 <laughs> to looks like 2014 he had a movie every two years so like the prestige uh-huh. The Dark Knight, Inception in 2010, The Dark Knight Rises, and then Interstellar in 2014. Mm-hmm. And then from there on, it was every three years. So um, 2014 was Interstellar, Dunkirk 2017, um, Tenet in 2020. And then Tenet is the one where he had his beef with Warner Brothers because <laughs> of the way that they like released it surrounding COVID. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tenet has, like, an interesting, like, air around it. I haven't seen Tenet, but... Mm-hmm. Have you not are, seen like, it? It has torn. Robert Pattinson in it. Bro, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie. Probably because the, like, release of it got kind of botched. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. COVID was weird for me. I, I feel like mm-hmm. I was in, like, a time warp. I have no idea what happened. Agreed. Any Anything between 2020 and 2022. Agreed. Like, it's just all, like, murk. But, um, yeah, Tenet, people are like divided on Tenet. I 
think it's not as good as Inception. That's just my take on it. Um, It felt very similar to me and I just didn't think it was as good. I thought um, Robert Pattinson was – I thought all the actors were great, all of them. Yeah. So I did see – I think this was on like the IMDb IMDb, like trivia section, but Oppenheimer comes out six years to the day after Dunkirk. Interesting. Wow, he really is keeping to his like every three years to the day. That's crazy. To the day, yeah. Well, I didn't fact check that, but (laughs) that's I mean that's what IMDb trivia says. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, we can do a quick look up. While you're doing that, I'll just say I watched Interstellar for the first time this week and Okay. I was obsessed. We do need to talk about that because – so we were prepping for this outline and I was like, uh-huh. Liz, like what um, Christopher Nolan movies have you seen to compare to? Because like I've None. seen – I haven't seen like all of them for sure, but she hadn't seen any and I was like, you've got to prep, girly. Like, I'm sure I've something. seen the Batman movies. Like my brother was very much like a superhero movie yeah. guy, so I'm sure I've seen Batman Begins and Dark- In the Dark Knight, but like – yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel too. Like I think I've seen one of them when my parents watched it when I was young. But yeah. like I almost don't even count that because I don't remember it. So like I don't and, like, think – Were you really paying attention, you know? No. I All I remember about it is that it was dark. And I was like, I can't see anything that's <laughs> happening in this movie. What's going on? I know. <laughs> okay, so Dunkirk came out July 21st, 2017. So yeah, it so is exactly, exactly six, six years. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So I was looking right. up about Christopher Nolan, and I didn't see mm-hmm. any like Oscar wins, but I saw five Oscar noms, and they were all for oh, cool. something related to either Inception or Dunkirk. So I've never seen Dunkirk, so that makes me feel like mm-hmm. I need to go see Dunkirk. Yeah, me too. I need to watch Dunkirk. And um, Harry Styles has a part in that movie, right? I don't know. I, I think he does. I think that was like his <laughs> acting debut. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just leading you into that question. I know he's in that movie. <laughs> um, um, so back I to – oh, I completely forgot. Back to oh, um, the movie. I would not be surprised if this movie gets a ton of nominations and like wins. Oh, okay. I would like – I would actually be shocked if it didn't. It seems like people are going crazy about it. So I bet it wins yeah. something, hopefully. Yeah. Although who – what do I know? Um, <laughs> so notable cast, we've got Killian Murphy, uh-huh. Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, and Josh Peck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> so those are just like some of the characters. The list just goes on and on of mm-hmm. these like five star actors and actresses that are in this movie. Like there's so, so many people and everyone in it was perfectly cast everyone like did their research to know how their characters are supposed to react in certain situations like I mean everyone in it was great I mean that set of actors that I just read is like a very I would say like skilled set of actors like Mm -hmm. they have their shit together kind of thing yeah um so you think at least the portrayals of the characters was good yeah, they Christopher Nolan did an amazing job casting for this movie. And like I said, the actors just did a great job bringing their characters to life. Like they were all believable. Like if I 
No, I did believe. I was like, you know what? We are sitting in the 1930s and the 1940s, and I am watching these real people live their life. It was crazy. It was fantastic. So, like, why do you think that is? Like, what do you think made this film different than ones where it kind of feels like fake, you know? Yeah, where you can, like, tell. Like, yeah. Like, I'm watching this movie, but, like, yeah. So, I think the difference is that Nolan was 100% bought into the idea that Oppenheimer is the most important person of our lifetime. Okay. Yeah. I've read some, like, reviews that say things like that. Yeah. And, like – He's just he was like set out to tell the story of the most important person and he took it really seriously and everyone that he like brought on took it seriously too. And I think that's like what made it so good is that they were all like completely bought into it. Um I don't know. I I the storytelling was just like beyond Okay. Like, there's nothing I could really compare it to. I will say that from, like, the trailers that I've seen and, like, videos that I've seen, Killian Murphy, when you, like, do the side-by-sides of him and J. Robert Oppenheimer, they look, like, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, you can tell the difference, but it's – I think he is definitely portrayed really well, and I'm really interested to see, Mm -hmm. like, what he looks like because I've seen all the comments about, like, how, like, you watch the movie and you see – Robert J. Oppenheimer's face like get more and more like I don't know like skinny or shallow or what do you call it when somebody is like sallow sallow is that the word chiseled no I don't know no like he gets older like throughout the movie where your cheeks sink in no I don't I don't know what that's called okay (laughs) but yeah they yeah I guess we could like go ahead and talk about like cinematography and all that because yeah let's do it it plays a big role yeah so how was the soundtrack we've got a soundtrack by Ludwig Goranson yeah so it's an original soundtrack um and this guy's done a bunch of stuff and he's worked with what's what was the last one that they did Tenet I think he was the one that did the Tenet soundtrack okay um so I got to see this advanced screening, like I mentioned already, and they played the soundtrack like as people were walking in. So we got That's to cool. hear like a lot of the music that was going to be played, um, like just while we were sitting down getting popcorn, like whatever. And I don't know. It was just like really – it like all worked really, really well. They He did the soundtrack and also the background noises, so like the bomb like all the things yeah that's cool and there was also moments where it was like deafening silence and I like don't even know like how else to describe that but it just it was just like perfect and it didn't feel like you were sitting in a theater and there was no noise like there was noise but it was like it was like silence it was very cool probably like like, at a like a certain pitch that like made you feel like it was really silent because mm-hmm. I, I mean I feel like it, there has to be some use of that because I when you think of like an atomic bomb you think of like the aftermath of the bomb and mm-hmm. how it just like decimates everything in the vicinity and so when yeah you have well that, and silence, like the nuclear explosions happen faster than the speed of light so the explosion's happening faster than you're like comprehending that it's happening okay. so you really don't hear it until later 
Okay. And that was used in that moment. It was so cool. That's really cool. It was really, really cool. That's really cool. He, so Ludwig, he did do Tenet. He also did (laughs) Mm -hmm. Black Panther and um, Wakanda Forever. Yeah. I think he's done some really, really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And he did, I mean, he really, really did some cool stuff with this one too. So one thing I'm like super curious about is Mm -hmm. I've done a decent amount of research on this movie and Mm -hmm. in an interview, they were just saying that they didn't do any special effects. And I, how is that even possible? I literally can't tell you. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) there was so many, like supposedly they didn't use special effects. That's what I'm saying because there was so much in it that just looked so real yeah. And obviously they didn't detonate an atomic bomb. Like obviously they can't show like a nucleus splitting. So like how did they create these images? Like I am so interested to see all of this stuff come out that tells us how they did it. Like all the behind because, the scenes. Yeah. I yeah. have no idea. Literally not a single clue how they made everything look the way they did because it looks real. It's well, so cool. Hopefully like when – all that comes out, we can incorporate that into our um, like full movie review of mm-hmm. this one. That would be good. Yeah. So part of it too that was so interesting to me is you're like following a, a person through their life. So they're going to age and they age all the characters in yeah. the movie. So it must be like makeup and costuming yeah. that they used, which is so impressive. That's cool. Yeah. Very, very, very neat. And then just like the way that everything shot. So we talked about special effects, but the way that he shoots everything, I, I keep restore I keep referring to the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that's like that that is what it is. It's telling the story of a person. And it just I feel like sometimes with the storytelling, like it gets like bogged down. There's too much dialogue and not enough showing. But you're just like with this, you're, I was just so engaged. And I could tell everyone around me was too. Christopher Nolan does a good job of telling stories. He uses like – sometimes he goes like nonlinear. Mm-hmm. He tells the stories. He does a good job with the dialogue of like giving you a lot of information but like interspersing like dialogue scenes and action scenes so it's not like mm-hmm. so much that it's boring. Uh, yeah. He did a really good job too like not making it feel like a history lesson yeah. because like – Everyone knows at least a little bit about how this story goes. And I think he's like very aware of that. Mm -hmm. And he kept that like at the front of his mind as he was putting the script together and keeping everything like on track. And like the parts that are the history lessons are more of like aha moments. Okay. Like like you as the audience member already know what's going to happen and they'll say something and you'll be like, oh my gosh, like I know what that is. Like I know what's going to happen. Like a and dramatic irony kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of like you're in on something that he doesn't know. And yeah, it, like, cool. it makes it, it makes it more fun. Yeah. I like that. Uh, and then just one little like tidbit of information I have is that the script was written in first person, which apparently is like abnormal for movies so instead of saying like j robert oppenheimer walks across the room it was i walk across the room yeah and so like everything's revolving around him because like a script is typically written in third person and it has like Mm -hmm. the name of each character and their lines like it's just like lines yeah 
Okay. So I think, I mean, I don't know this for certain, but I'm sure there was some like improvising going on and, um, yeah, I don't know. Matt Damon is the one that, that said that in an interview, he said like, I was like dumbfounded because the script was written in first person. And I was like, I have to be a part of this. Hmm. Okay. That sounds super abnormal, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Anything else with the cinematography? No, I think that covers it. (laughs) Okay. So did this remind you of any movie you'd seen before? Maybe the one Christopher (laughs) Nolan movie you've seen? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, the way the story's told and just like overall feel of the movie, it was giving me like if Where the Crawdads Sing and Interstellar had a baby. Okay, it's I hope you're like- only saying that because <laughs> of the way that where the crawdads sing like like moves around in time. Yes. So yeah. because I don't want it to it's be not anything like where the like crawdads sing. <laughs> so I I love that book, but that movie was like cringy as hell to me. Really? Oh, I really liked the movie. Well, we're not going to talk about that, but this the scene where they like are running around in the trees with the butterflies, like uh-uh, I cannot. I cannot. I literally burst out <laughs> laughing. Okay. Um but yeah, I don't know. Y'all tell me if I'm completely off because I've been off before, but well, that's like kind of what I was feeling. I'm I'm curious to see like what what movie it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've mostly seen like the sci-fi, his sci-fi movies. So I'll be mm-hmm. curious if it's a lot like if it's more like Interstellar or Inception or what. Mm-hmm. I hope Inception because I liked Inception. <laughs> Okay. Um, So I feel like we're kind of already touching on a lot of this, but it sounds like time is definitely a really interesting um, tool that's used in the storytelling of this movie. Uh, Yeah. Christopher Nolan does that in like all of his movies. And if you want to hear more about that, Raiders of the Lost podcast just did an episode where they talk about Christopher Nolan and his obsession with time and they go through all of his movies and talk about it. Um, which was really intriguing for me to listen to since I haven't really seen a lot of the movies. He but- is obsessed with time. There's an element yeah. of time in both Inception and Tenet. That's why I felt I like they everything. were very similar movies. Mm-hmm. I think he he knows how to use time and like he's like mm-hmm. very aware of time. And so that makes him like, I don't know. Like I feel like his movies are kind of centered around time a lot. Well, and I know the Batman movies are told like out of order. Like they jump around in time Mm -hmm. as well during. Yep. Yeah. Uh, What about Killian Murphy? So I watched a lot of Peaky Blinders. Mm -hmm. It's probably his other like most notable role. mm -hmm. He uh, he's fabulous in that. Um, But his character Tommy. Shelby is very similar to J. Robert Oppenheimer, except Oppenheimer's not as, like, evil. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he's got that, like, stoic, like, dry thing going, and it's – I mean, it just works so well for him. Yeah. Killian Murphy, like, those two characters, like, Killian Murphy is not, like, a, like – stereotypically like handsome man like he's got a different look to him but these characters just like make him attractive like something about them it's got like a magnetic pool and you're like why do I like you you hear it boys confidence is more important (laughs) than your looks here we go (laughs) okay what about um 
Emily Blunt's in this movie. Yeah. Obsessed. I have oh, never good. seen her play a character like Kitty Oppenheimer. Okay. And everything about Kitty Oppenheimer is like, I'm like, don't even know what to say, but she's like, it's just like badass. Like everything about her, she's so like intricate's not the right word, but she's complicated and like it comes across so, so well and nobody says it. Like yeah. you can, you can see it. She it's has so, like depth yes. to her. And yes. It's very, very cool. Yay. Um, the last one I want to talk about is um, Florence Pugh. Oh, good. Um, she plays, well, I'm not even going to say who she plays, but her character is getting like some flack on the internet because it's not a lot of character development. And her character is really there to give Oppenheimer more depth. So she's like a side character, but the times that she's on screen are electric. And I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she is electric. She has like definitely like a very – She looks so different in this movie too. Like so presence. different. Like when she's on camera, I you think. You will love her character, Courtney. Oh, good. I think I know. I I have looked up what her character is, so I kind of know, but um, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So – any is there anything specific within that you can talk about that mm-hmm. like stood out to you from this movie? Yeah, so I want to start with the costuming. Okay. Um and I feel like it's so integral, but it can be taken for granted sometimes, like good yeah. costuming and good costuming design. It was just spot on. Like from the military uniforms to just like their daily outfits, like everything was time appropriate. We see like 40 years on on screen yeah and that's true it, it just cool. all it was it was perfect like everything Aww. about it they did such a good job it really helps you like get into it because I feel like if they didn't have that right it would it would throw it off completely yeah okay so I've also seen that there's like um black and white sequences in this mm-hmm. movie and like a few months ago, I saw that like Kodak had developed the first ever like black and white IMAX film stock like for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think Christopher Nolan was very set on doing it all in film. He didn't want anything to be digital. And okay. in order to get the quality to come through on um, like, like when it's black, black and, and white, white, yeah, they'd have to diminish the quality to make it black and white. Got it. And so in order to keep the same quality throughout the movie – they had to develop a new film stock for him. That's so cool. It was so worth it. The black and white moments, like I don't know exactly how many there are, but like all of those like are in my head. It's crazy. It's really, really cool. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) The hours are just ticking down. Smaller. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what is your, what would you say is your favorite part of the film? Yeah, so this is like really cheesy or ironic. I don't even know what to say. Um, but the Trinity scene. Cliche. Uh, Trini- yeah, a cliche. There we go. The Trinity scene. And that's like where they test the bomb for the first time. Well, he doesn't I mean, call it the bomb. He calls would, it the gadget, but whatever. Interesting. <laughs> I would kind of hope that that's like the highlight of the movie. I don't know. if That feels like the climax, like where they test the bomb. So it's probably a pretty important it, part. It's one of them. There's like many climaxes throughout this movie, which I think is what like 
keeps you entertained because okay. it's like, all right, three the atomic hours. bomb went off, but like, <laughs> what next? Yeah. And it just like keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And it's, it just, it's so engaging. Like, it's so cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm super intrigued to watch it because I've seen like so much stuff about how like, oh, like J. Robert Oppenheimer is like the most important person of like our mm-hmm. era. And yeah. so I'm kind of curious to see like how they twist it that way. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like, obviously he's important, but it, the only thing I can think of is like, you know, now countries have this like incredible power of nuclear power and the ability to like, mm-hmm. like World War, everybody talks about or jokes about World War Three, but like that actually is a pretty scary concept and this is kind of like where it started. So yeah. And like the coolest, some of the coolest parts of the movie are where they're like coming to that realization that this is going to change the world. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very like deep and emotional. Oh, we love um, a good emotional movie. Yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah. It's like very humanizing, like those moments. Because when you think of like scientists and inventors, you think of these people that are like these like all encompassing, like higher than human people, and it brings them back down to earth. They're mm-hmm. like the moral struggles and the dilemmas and. It's very, very well portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about a little bit more. You already mentioned it, but your theater experience earlier this week. Yeah. So I saw this in 70 millimeter. So that's the way Christopher Nolan intended it to be viewed. So okay, if you have cool. a 70 millimeter theater near you, I would say go see it that way. I mean, if not, it's, you're still going to see it. It's going to be fantastic no matter mm-hmm. how you see it. Um, but it was intended for 70 millimeter viewing. Um, I got to see it at a historic theater in downtown Atlanta that has recently been like um, restored. So it closed for a while. And then um, someone who owns another local theater bought this theater, restored it, and it's like back operating. They show old movies, they show new movies. And they got the like, once in a lifetime opportunity to be the the only advanced screening in in the city of Atlanta for this movie. Cool. And like one of the reasons that they got it is because of the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival. And the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival is like shining light on the Jewish community and the directors and actors and singers and everyone involved in film, like that's part of the Jewish community. And so this was obviously like a very big film for them. It's mm-hmm. about World War II. It's about this very famous Jewish scientist. Um, and so we were sharing the viewing with them or they were sharing the viewing with us really. Um, but they did like a whole presentation beforehand. So I got to learn a little bit more about that. Um, and I'm hoping in February that Hayden and I can maybe be a part of the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival and see all of their movies this year. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is it was a full theater. Like people were waiting in line to get in and they were like finding single seats to put people in. Like, oh wow. It was packed. It was very cool. That's cool. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been in a full theater before, like full, full. And it was just like, everyone was so excited and like 
I don't know. I feel it like you very, have very cool. all those like midnight premieres that you went to as a kid. I bet those were maybe. Full. Yeah, I just like didn't notice it. This is like the first like adult full theater experience that I've had. Yeah. Um, I also got a little memento. What does from, that even mean? Uh, is that like a nod to Christopher Nolan's Memento movie? No, it's like something <laughs> to help you remember that. You okay. Just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I okay guess it does have that movie yeah um, I got a piece of 70 millimeter film oh my gosh of- that's so yeah. cute so there it is it's you can't really see it very well but there it is um and it's got some stills from the movie which is pretty cool got to figure out how I'm gonna frame that and make sure you put it in front it. of your other camera oh hang on let me make sure it's the right way yay I don't know if that's coming through or not, but there it is. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. Very fun. And okay. I've heard that if you go and see it today, a lot of theaters are giving out the film. So oh, maybe I'll get it. Come on, AMC, pull through. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also seen that there's different versions of it. So maybe different theaters are getting different versions. So it really is going to be like a special thing. Oh, of the film, not of the movie mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like, different versions of the, of the movie. What do you mean? <laughs> We're getting what is like, this clue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> that oh. one will come out in two weeks, people. Okay, so <laughs> I think that's all we've got, Liz. I want to know what you rated this movie. And as a I reminder, five stars. Okay, five well, stars. Let me. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was gonna tell the people we use Letterbox ratings. Go follow us on Letterbox. Five out of five. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> five stars. Five, five stars. stars. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's some. <laughs> Official ratings out there. Currently on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. it's at a 4.1. Um, and then 94% of Google users like the movie. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that like the ratings are just going to keep going up. Yeah. Just my instinctive feeling and my professional opinion. <laughs> it has a um, 9 out of 10 on IMDb right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that people are just going to fall in love with this movie. Does it have a tomato meter? Or is it like too early for that? I don't. It didn't when I pulled these yesterday. Let's see. But they did have viewings of it yesterday, so ninety three percent is what it says yeah. right now. Not surprised. And then audience all. scored ninety four percent. So that'll probably continue to um, mm-hmm. adjust over the next few weeks. Yep. Cool. Well, I'm super excited to see it tonight. And then um, I'll give my all my takes whenever we do the full review of this movie in a few months. Yeah. So we – Oppenheimer comes out today, but also Barbie comes out today. And we are also doing an episode on Barbie. So if you're listening to Oppenheimer first, be sure you go and check out our Barbie movie. Spoiler-free episode as well. Um, and we're going to have – Full episodes coming out on both of those. So stay yeah. tuned. Barbenheimer weekend. Go see them, people. <laughs> um, before we sign off, I want to extend a huge thank you to our friend Luis for getting us tickets to see Oppenheimer advanced screening. And I also want to give a shout out to the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival for sharing their screening with us and sharing their mission and passion for film. Yay. Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, so it's time for us to say goodbye to all of you now. So thank you for tuning in to our Oppenheimer spoiler-free review episode. Um, If you would, please leave us a rating or a review, drop a comment or a like on our YouTube, and then leave us Mm -hmm. an answer to our poll and Q&A section on Spotify. You can find more information about the podcast and our whole podography on our website, becritics.com, 
or find links to all the things on our link tree in the episode show notes. And be sure to subscribe or follow so you don't miss it. You can Mm -hmm. find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. All right. Bye, guys. See you on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye.